You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Holy Spirit, just like you descended as a dove upon Christ in his baptism and became a spotlight for the angels to glory in Jesus when he was born. We pray that you would shine a light on our hearts and give us Christ today, this Christmas day. Amen. You may be seated. So this Christmas morning, Merry Christmas to you all. We won't look so much at a particular scriptural text, but rather we'll gaze upon a brilliant scriptural theme illumined by a constellation of passages whose north star is John 1. We will be pondering light. Light is a theme that literally spans the entire Bible. The first pages of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we hear of God creating light out of nothing by the word of his mouth. In the last pages of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, We hear of the new heavens and the new earth, illumined not by the sun in outer space, but by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And here in John 1, just in the first nine verses, the word light is used eight times to describe the nature of Christ's coming into the world. John describes Jesus' nativity as the arrival of the light of the world, So I want to, for a brief few minutes, reflect on the significance of this one word, light, for you and for me. I want to point out four things about light in order that they might give us a greater wonder into Jesus himself this Christmas day. First, light spans great distances in an instant. Think about this. The sun is almost 93 million miles away from us. Just think about how long it would take to drive to it in your car. So I did the math, people. I did it this morning as I woke up. My mind was thinking about how far this was away because I'd just driven to Louisville last week and I thought that was pretty long. That's over 141 years of straight driving at 75 miles per hour, which is about how fast my wife drives on the freeway. This is not including accidents and potholes and filling up for gas, people. That's 141 years of straight driving. And yet, sunlight, traveling at the speed of light, moves from its point of origin to our eyes in less than 8 minutes and 20 seconds. 93 million miles in less than 9 minutes. It's why we measure intergalactic distances in what we call light years. And it's why when Star Trek and Star Wars ships hit warp speed that they turn into beams of light because light spans great distances in an instant. Second, light exposes things previously unseen. Have you ever had that moment when you're walking into a dark room in your home at night and you think you know what's in there because you've been there many times before, the the map of the room is is in your mind's eye, Uh, And you think you know what's in there, and therefore you can navigate the path without necessarily seeing. But then you decide, because of life experience or premonition, that uh, you need to turn on the light. And when you turn on the light, you're startled by the fact 
that there was a huge object right in front of you that would have likely caused your total demise if you hadn't turned on that light. And I will tell you, when you have small children, your radar for this kind of thing goes up dramatically, okay? Because when you have children, they create a minefield of things for you to walk through in the dark. Not the least of which is curse, curse the heavens, Legos, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this great product that has been advertised on Facebook, but they're now advertising that you can buy these shoes specifically designed to resist Legos in the home so that your, your, your foot isn't throbbing at the end of that. But the reality is when you turn on, on a light, it exposes things previously not seen. Third, light scatters and thwarts that which lives in the darkness. Okay, many of you know that most recently I moved here from South Florida. I'm not a native of South Florida. I'm actually a native of Hawaii. But in both South Florida and Hawaii, here's the reality. If you go out at night into another room and you turn on the light, there's likely going to be out of the corner of your eye some animal that's scattering away. It's less so in Alabama, but I have found time and again, if I'm going to go out in the middle of the night, I can expect that there will be at least three cockroaches that I see that disappear because the light has the ability of scattering and thwarting that which lives in darkness. Fourth, light gives understanding to everything around us. At night, the world is a mysterious place. I was standing on my back porch looking out in my backyard and it was actually a clear night last night but not everything was visible, right? But when the sun comes out, we can see that the, that the world is clear and we can see the world for what it is, for what it actually is. Light gives us understanding about everything around us. C.S. Lewis, in a paper given to the Oxford Socratic Club entitled, Is Theology Poetry? He pondered the relationship between Christianity and science and the tension that seems to exist between the truth claims of the two. He made a great case for why and how science can only be properly understood from within the cosmology and the worldview of Christianity and the Bible. If science tries to pull itself from, out, from under Christianity and assert its truths apart from God and Christ, then science actually loses its meaning, its ground, and its bearings, so Lewis has said. Maybe some of you are skeptical about that claim. I invite you to read Lewis's essay, and even better, bring an open mind to the centuries-long intellectual body of work of thoughtful Christians in and about the sciences. But I don't know what you, uh, I don't know that you need to fully agree with all that to feel the thrust of the powerful last sentence of this paper when Lewis says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The world around us is a confused and confusing place, is it not? Christmas exists to remind us that the only way to sufficiently understand this world is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, as the light of the world, is the great explanation 
But notice the words I chose. I use the word sufficiently. Christmas exists to remind us that the only way to sufficiently understand this world is through Jesus Christ. God doesn't give us the kind of revelation that allows us to completely understand this world. The longer I live, the more I think that kind of knowledge is really only containable in God's mind alone. But Jesus Christ offers us the best sufficient explanation. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Why is light such a powerful metaphor for Jesus? Why do the scriptures use it again and again? Number one, Jesus, like light, spans great distances in an instant. Christian or not, we're all haunted by the fact that a God exists up there in the heavens. We see design and intention in the architecture of this world from the micro to the macro. Looking through a microscope, we can see the irreducible complexity of what biologists call molecular machines, these cellular organisms that transport proteins. Looking through a telescope, we can see the overwhelming complexity of solar systems and galaxies. The engineering of it all screams, God exists, and he's out there. And yet, that's about as far as we can go, unless this God comes to us in a more understandable way. The incarnation, God becoming man, God taking on flesh, is that understandable way. The light of the world spanned a great distance, the distance between God and humanity, and made himself known in Jesus. Second, Jesus, like light, exposes things previously unseen. Without Jesus, you and I would never have known just how deep our problem was. Remember his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount? He said crazy things like, You have heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, if anyone hates someone in his heart, that is just as murderous, just as damnable, just as incriminating. You see, up until Jesus came, humanity was always going about the business of making God's rules easier to obey than they really were, making our problem not as bad as it really was. I haven't robbed a bank. I haven't killed anyone. I'm not an alcoholic. I just get a little tipsy from time to time. I've been a really good person, in fact. I even go to church on Christmas Day, right? On that final day, God's going to say to me, your good deeds far outweigh your bad. You're in. And the light of the world came in to expose things previously unseen, to teach us the problem is deeper than you think. In fact, those good deeds that you think will outweigh your bad deeds, if you look carefully and if you're honest, they really aren't all that good. Because your own selfish motivation, your own glory lies behind why you have done them. The light of the world thunders in his brilliance. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's the standard. And when that kind of light is on you and on me, well, all bets are off, 
aren't they? Light indeed exposes the things previously unseen. Did you hear it in our liturgy? Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open and from whom no secrets are hid, he sees it all. Thirdly, Jesus, like light, scatters and thwarts that which lives in darkness. When Jesus came, the cockroaches began to scatter. Satan, his demons, and the cosmic forces of evil knew that the gig was up. And it's so ironic, isn't it? Sin, the flesh, and the devil had a massive reign from coast to coast. And then a little baby enters the world in an insignificant town in Bethlehem, in an insignificant region in Judea, into a very insignificant little shelter, a stable for animals, a baby, a helpless baby, and the demons shudder. Robert Southwell, a 16th century English poet, put it this way, this little babe, so few days old, is come to rifle Satan's fold. All hell doth at his presence quake, though he himself for cold doth shake. For in his weak, unarmed wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. With tears he fights and wins the field. His tiny breast stands for a shield. His battering shot are babish cries. His arrows looks of weeping eyes. His martial ensigns are cold and need, and feeble flesh his warrior's steed. The cockroaches are scattering. And this is a hopeful word for you and for me. It means that all the things that lurk around in the darkness of our lives, the things that burden our souls when we go to sleep and when we wake up, those things, they won't get the last word. Light has come and is coming. And the cockroaches know it's only a matter of time. Fourthly, Jesus, like light, gives understanding to everything around us. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. To allow Jesus to be the lens through which we see everything else, yes, to be the light of the world, we must turn to that singular event, that destination to which baby Jesus was headed all along. It's hard to go here on Christmas because Christmas is supposed to be about nostalgia and children and joy and peace and snow and Charles Dickens. And yet, to understand why Jesus is the light of the world, we must go to the very place where, in the words of our great Christmas carol, nails, spear, shall pierce him through. We must go to the cross. The cross is the great and final revelation of God, the light through which everything else in life makes sense. For instance, at the cross, we see the horrible suffering of the world, all the vexing questions of life, the deaths of innocent children, the premature loss of those we love, the horrible atrocities and casualties of war, the abuses of power, 
at the cross, we see that God is a God who cares about that. And moreover, he takes care of it by bearing the weight of that sorrow both with us and in our stead. At the cross, we see the justice of God. We see that God has indeed dealt justly with rebellion against him. He paid sin's wages, which Romans 3 tells us is nothing short of death. At the cross, we see God's enemies vanquished. We see that God is not impotent. We see that God's enemies, the very enemies which haunt us and plague us and burden us, sin, the flesh, and the devil, they find their end at that cross. As Colossians 2.15 says, at the cross, Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. At the cross, we see the love of God triumph over all. That God's final revelation of himself doesn't land on any other attribute. At the cross, we learn that God is holy, but that's not its loudest message. At the cross, we learn that God is all-powerful, but that is not its loudest message. At the cross, we learn that God is sovereign, but that is not its loudest message. No, the final word of the cross is none of these things. For reflecting upon the self-sacrifice of a God who would take on flesh to save the very creation that rebelled against him can only end in this confession. Jesus loves me. This I know. And after you survey this wondrous cross, if you gaze upon its light for a little while, and then look out on the world, everything you see starts to take a cross-shaped characteristic. When we turn on our TV or open up our social media feeds and get more bad news about how twisted a place this world is, we see the cross's explanation of its origin. Sin, rebellion against the holy God, both in our wayward choice in Adam and in the devil's continued irritation of the world. Light. When we encounter as Christians suffering in this life, strained labor in our jobs, physical and psychological illness, or even the empty loneliness that often saddles up to us at a time like Christmas, we see the cross's explanation of it as we, according to Paul and Peter, share in the sufferings of Christ. Light. When we ponder our mortality in the short vapors of our few years on earth before we die, we see the cross's explanation of it. The cross says, there can be no resurrection apart from death. Just as Christ rose on the other side of the cross with a glorious body, the first fruits of an eternal glory that we will all in him one day know, so we too will rise because we who have put our faith not in ourselves but in him have not only died with him but we've risen with him 
That's Romans 6. Light. Jesus is the light of the world. The great explanation. He is the truly sufficient one. Jesus is, as the great explanation, it doesn't end all our questioning. But he is indeed the one in whom all our questions end. Perhaps we'll never know why certain politicians or world leaders are elected or raised to power only to do injury to their fellow humans. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to its leader, Jesus Christ. Perhaps we'll never know why loved ones have been prematurely taken from us. But one day, all the dead in Christ will rise. Perhaps we'll never know why we suffer so long with our burdens. But one day, every tear will be dried and every burden lifted. Perhaps we'll never know why our relationships with certain others have become so strained, so irreparably estranged. But one day, Christ will reconcile all things and all people to himself. We believe in Jesus as we believe in the Son, not only because we see him, but because by him we see everything else. Let us pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.